Welcome to this podcast episode in which we will talk about the ongoing COP in Dubai, the 28th session of the Conference of the Parties to the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. This episode is an initiative of the African School of Regulation and the Florence School of Regulation, and we are delighted to speak to Professor Ignacio Perez Ariaga and Professor Simone Borghesi, who are currently present at the COP in Dubai. A few words about our guests. Ignacio is the current interim director at the African School of Regulation. He's also an invited professor at the MIT and at the Electrical Engineering Department of Comillas University in Madrid. Simone is director of the climate area of the Florence School of Regulation. He is also deputy rector for international relations and professor of Env environmental economics at the University of Siena. And he is president-elect of the European Association of Environmental and Resource Economists. My name is Lea Heinrich, and I'm here with my colleagues Zita Ohikere and Chiara Canestrini. Let's get started. Thanks, um, Lea. So, um, Simone, can you please share your initial thoughts and feelings about being at COP28 and what you're looking forward to the most? Well, thank you for the invitation. Um, my initial thoughts are a mix of enthusiasm and frustration, I would say, because these first days have been uh, characterized by ups and downs. Uh, we started very strong on day one with the content on the loss and damage, which is uh, what was planned in the previous COP, but we needed to put money on it. And so the promises that were uh, put forward were really encouraging. And then the down because of the declarations that turned out to be done by the chairman of uh, the COP28 uh, on uh, the phase out of fossil fuels, which is also something that we should aim at, that was planned and promised and seems to be, again, slow down uh, in the future. And also, you know, this COP is very important for what we call the global stock take. So taking uh, the situation of uh, the commitments that have been done and uh, evaluating where we are and we are not there. We are not where we should be. That's the problem. And even there, this is a bit frustrating and depressing. Thank you very much. Um, Professor Ignacio, do you have similar thoughts and feelings about COP and what are you looking forward to the most? Well, I think that my thoughts are complementary and, and of course in the same line as Simone's. Uh, I, I am good and happy of being part of something that I consider to be important. It's a good cause. Uh, by the way, I keep the badges that I am given at a few meetings that I've been uh, and I am proud of, like uh, uh, the uh, ICCT, etc. Um, but I have mixed feelings also about uh, the, the COP28. Uh, it is a family reunion. Um, you see many of the old fighters for a good cause here, uh, and you cannot miss a family reunion. So it's good to, to, to be here. On the other hand, at the level that matters, the high level discussions, climate change is not taken as seriously as it deserves. 
So there is, of course, a lot of serious work by the country delegations on the procedures to estimate emissions, verification, debates about the best measures for mitigation, adaptation, financing, compensation, etc. But climate change is not taken at the highest level as uh, the huge emergency that it is. Uh, the emissions of greenhouse gases uh, will increase this year again uh, with respect to 2022, uh, will increase um, when they should be reduced drastically. We should be in an in, in emergency mode and, and not in a just being concerned mode. And of course, when I say we, I do not mean everyone. Uh, some countries, some companies, some people are doing what is needed, but collectively we are failing, and I agree with that with Simone. Sorry about the background noise, but this is chaos, and I am surrounded by different uh, pavilions where they are having events, and there is a, there is a, this background noise. Thank you very much, Ignacio. And of course, we very much agree with you on the importance of stressing the urgency and the emergency status we are in. Um, especially in, in these days. Uh, I have another question for you. Um, we know COP is known for its dynamic discussions and events. So could you highlight one or two key moments or observations that have stood out for you so far? Okay, so um, it will be a personal moment, not official one. But I think that before I answer your question, I have to provide some background that I think is necessary for people that have not been at the COP before. So the COPs happen at several levels. You have the highest level, uh, the country representatives that debate behind closed doors, uh, the major decisions about targets, limits, financing. And I know about this as much as any person that reads the newspapers of the day. I don't have access to that. There is the technical level, the country experts, delegations that work on the details, as I mentioned before, of what, what targets are needed for what, how to verify the commitments, how to estimate the joint impact, how to calculate compensations, etc., etc., and to polish the documents that will be made public officially when they are agreed. And then there is the immense majority. Uh, Nigeria is bringing 1,500 people. Uh, Kenya is bringing 800, I've been told. So thousands of people coming in planes, staying in air-conditioned hotels in a desert. And does it make sense? Well, I think it does, but I'm not sure. Despite, despite the expense, the spend, sorry, and, and the greenhouse gases emissions that this huge gathering, uh, I think that it highlights the importance of the emergency in which we are. Uh, anything that matters in the in climate change is discussed here. You can meet the people that matters. Uh, you confirm that many serious expert people, companies, organizations care about this. Uh, it shows the world that many people care, understand um, and debate and are serious about this matter, right? But the, the venue is huge. Distances among pavilions are enormous. You go to a place where important people are debating an important topic and there are just seven people listening because there are so many things going on. And there are sometimes, I am exaggerating, more people talking than people listening. Um, so it's a show of force. 
that shows that climate change matters. And uh, this year, there is a possible uh, official participation online to many events, and that probably indicates the, the way to go in the future. Although, of course, personal interaction is important. And then I go to your question. Um, one or two key moments, personally. Well, for me, when I arrived the first time, I arrived at the peak time, I think, and there was a huge crowd, long lines. I took almost two hours to enter the, uh, the, the place. But there were people all concerned about climate change, colleagues that I didn't know uh, from all over the world. And it was good to feel in that huge crowd. Uh, then also while well, presenting the regulatory changes that are needed in Africa for climate change and showing that the African School of Regulation exists, that was good. And, and sometimes occasionally meeting some former students of my regulation courses uh, who value what they learned in these courses that are present here, that was also a very good feeling. Thank you very much, Ignacio, also for sharing this honest uh, testimonial and uh, for giving us this uh, clear, although very complex picture of, of the COP. Now, uh, Simone, it's your turn. Would you like to share any key moments or observations from your side uh, while at COP28? Well, uh, Ignacio's uh, answer is a perfect introduction to what I think was a highlight, a personal highlight in this case, because I was chairing an event on voluntary carbon markets a few hours after I landed uh, in Dubai. And uh, as Ignacio was saying, uh, sometimes you get a few people because of the number of events and the distance in the pavilions. And on the contrary, my event was really uh, crowded. And this was a great feeling, even because many of the people who were participating took part in previous conversations uh, at the Florence School of Regulation in our events. So it is true that we are not negotiators and we are not affecting the negotiations, but we worked uh, in the background and uh, in the past and somehow also on this occasion facilitating the conversation. And there were some very important um, moments of consensus and disagreement that emerged from uh, this session. So I really think that was um, a great success from my point of view. And then the other highlight is certainly uh, what Ignacio was describing, this uh, sense of community that gathers here to achieve a, a target. It is true that I also have mixed feelings about uh, being here, about um, you know, contributing to, an em to emissions uh, in order to discuss about emissions. That is a kind of nonsense. But on the other hand, I find the value of a community that interacts and also of making pressure being here, because I think there is a value in being uh, for, let's say, the policymakers in being surrounded by so many people who ask for a change. So in this, I find uh, a real value of COP and a real added value of presence. Thanks, Simone. Speaking of the value of COP and um, the expectations, before attending COP, what were your expectations? And would you say your expectations and your actual experience has aligned? Or would you say there are surprises or any notable differences? Well, I am afraid that my expectations are met so far. 
And when I say I'm afraid, because I didn't have high expectations on the results. Let me try to be more specific. I think that the agenda is really set by the host country. That was my experience in previous COPs in which I participated in person or from remote. And so coming to Dubai, I expected, uh, you know, the uh, United Arab Emirates to try to drive the change or slow down the change in some aspects. And that's what is happening. They are trying to uh, speed up the process towards some technologies, but at the same time, slow down the process as far as the phase out of fossil fuels is concerned. And so I, these were my expectations and this is what I am observing right now. In my view, the risk is that we continue with business as usual because we rely on new technologies that can remove CO2. Technologies that are not yet there or not at scale. So that is the risk I've, I'm scared about. And that is why I would like to keep pushing for mitigation and uh, behavioral changes that we badly need. Oh, thanks, Simone. Um, Professor Ignacio, would you say your expectations and, reali and realities are the same? Um, okay, well, this is my third consecutive COP. I've been following the other ones at the distance. So I know what it is. And my ex personal expectations, modest expectations, are being fulfilled. I also organized an event. The event was uh, well attended by the people that I wanted to be there. Uh, I invited some key people that I wanted to talk about the regulatory changes that are needed to enable some transformations in Africa. I was focusing on Africa that that will uh, allow development of energy in a sustainable way in Africa. Um, this is what I expected. That I expected to meet some some important people for for what I am trying to do. That I am meeting. So. And I know, as Simone says, that that all together, uh, of course, makes some pressure. And I think this is important. And this sense of, of family reunion, uh, collective, that puts some pressure on the policymakers. But I know that I don't have access uh, to, to those decisions. And I don't expect much from the outcome of, in that, of those decisions. We will make progress. The progress doesn't seem, from where I I understand, and I say, I repeat that what I know is what I read in the newspapers at that level. And, and I think that we will make progress, but not progress that indicating that we are concerned, but progress that will not reveal that we are in an emergency situation. Oh, thank you, Ignacio. Can we stay a bit more on this progress? I know you you have to read the newspapers like all of us, but uh, looking ahead, uh, how do you foresee the decisions and discussions at COP impacting your field, your sector? Um, okay, so I think it's the opposite. <laughs> I think that it is uh, the work that I do that will impact what we try to achieve at, at the COP. So I think that that in the end, uh, bottom up, uh, of course, we need 
targets, we need guidelines, we need commitments, uh, pledges, all this, and, and high-level policy. But that has to be implemented with regulation. And sound energy regulation is indispensable to attract the massive public and private investment that is needed for clean transitions. Uh, in the case of Africa, more than transition is energy development. Um, so policy and regulation are, are needed to overcome what is known as the tragedy of the commons, right? So that I, I assume that you know what that is. The commons is the, the common ter terrain where people take the cattle in a village uh, to graze. And, and if everybody takes the cattle there instead of going somewhere else that is far away uh, for the cattle to feed, um, then the commons are destroyed. And this is what is happening. And we need we need regulation and policy that will guide us. And that has to emerge from, from these meetings and has to be implemented with the regulation that people at the Florence School of Regulation, at the African School of Regulation, will try to, to develop that sound and goes in the right direction. Okay, so following uh, Ignacio's bottom-up approach, Simone, how do you see uh, policy and regulation and your work at COP impacting the real world in, in the future? Um, as you know, I'm working pretty much on international carbon markets, uh, the life cause project that I direct uh, currently at UI is exactly about this. And we have been working on this for a few years. And I personally feel that our work has an impact. Uh, it has had an impact and is having an impact. You know, the days before or at the very beginning of COP, uh, uh, the declaration by von der Leyen was totally in line with what we are working for. We are working for a reinforcement of cooperation on international carbon markets. And she pointed out how key that is, uh, exactly uh, in line with what we are doing. So I'm not saying that it's because of me, obviously, but I'm saying that uh, I see progress in the direction that we desire and that somehow we try to help by gathering the policymakers in Florence uh, every year and discussing together around the table on the differences and possible harmonizations of these carbon markets. Then I expect also that we make some progress at COP. So uh, not only how I or we impact COP, but how COP can impact our work, uh, some progress uh, hopefully will be done on Article 6. There are good signs because there are some new guidelines on this key article concerning how to cooperate, how to implement the cooperation on international carbon markets and ensure that there are clear rules that can prevent greenwashing on uh, the quality of carbon credits. And so there is somehow a bilateral um, relationship with what uh, we are doing at FSR Climate and what is being done here at COP. Thanks, Simone. You literally just answered my next question because I was going to ask you what your expectations are for climate negotiations in general and uh, what, um, especially in development of the international carbon markets as a whole. 
So um, we've discussed about how it would be in Florence and the FSR, but in general, as, as the whole world post-COP, what are your expectations for climate negotiations? Well, I, my expectations are higher on international carbon markets uh, than on um, general issues, uh, probably because of the difficulties in the geopolitical situation right now. So obviously, cooperation is much more difficult when you have uh, one or actually two or more wars ongoing. And uh, to be honest, you can feel it also somehow in the in the dialogues, in the process that is somehow hindered by the uncertainties and the conflicts around us. Uh, still, I think there is no other way. We are talking about the global problems. There is no way out uh, without cooperation. And that is why I really push very much in that direction. And I think we need to keep pushing whatever happens around us. So I started saying there is some sense of frustration, but we should forget about it and go on our way with our goals. Even in the session I uh, chair, there were great signals of regional cooperations, for instance, on best practice technologies in Africa. And uh, the, so there is really large room for cooperation and improvement. So Prof, I was saying you had mentioned the work we do actually influence the um, regulations in Africa. So I would like to ask, um, what are your expectations post-COP for um, the regulation sector in Africa regarding the, um, the events you held on Monday as well? What would you think post-COP we should be looking out for? Okay, we have to distinguish between policy and regulation. Regulation understood as implementation of policy is not discussed at the highest level. Um, but the high-level policy topics that are discussed for, in the case of Africa, may have to do with the continental master plan and the continental uh, uh, single electricity market, the use of fossil fuels for industrialization in Africa, financial support for, for energy development, for universal access, for clean cooking. So these important initiatives can get relevance and can appear in the necessary guidelines in the energy uh, field. Uh, get commitments of support eventually being, and they will eventually be developed in, in regulatory measures and instruments. And well, these regulatory measures and instruments, this is what, what corresponds to an organization like the African School of Regulation and in other parts of the world or everywhere uh, to the Florence School of Regulation uh, could be in the case of Africa, uh, what are sustainable and scalable models for off-grid electrification uh, that could contribute to the 600 million people without electricity in Africa, uh, the sound rules for power trade among the countries, and allocation of interconnection costs and how to build those, fixing the dire financial situation of distribution companies, adequate regulation for the massive investment that is needed in renewables, dealing with distributed energy resources that have a special type of uh, consideration in the case of, of Africa, promoting efficiency, et cetera, et cetera. So these are the, the it's a trickling down, right? I think that at high level, the COP is expected to, to set policy guidelines 
targets, and that will be materialized later with our work in regulation. Thank you, Ignacio. And talking about the key takeaways for uh, our audience, especially those interested in, in your field, uh, what key takeaways or insights would you like to share from your experience at COP? Well, it is good, as we have said, <laughs> the two of us, I mean, it's good to feel the energy, the company of people who matter, who have the broad vision, uh, each one in her or his field, right? Uh, but clearly we are not doing enough. And uh, and I seem to perceive in some maybe high level people when you go to the plenaries and all that, some feeling of complacency um, in the medium sized achievements that are, are, being, are being achieved. Uh, so the pledges, uh, and I think again, that we must change this for a feeling of urgency, of emergency. We are heading to disaster uh, to much suffering by many people. Uh, I read uh, recently a book called The Ministry for the Future. Uh, it is science fiction, but science fiction in three, four years ago, if, uh, sorry, uh, by 2026, 28. Um, and, and it is based on what happens in these type of meetings and how the sense of emergency happens when something really disasters, uh, a, a big disaster happens, and people really understand that it's urgent to, to act. Um, so, well, this is my takeaway. Sorry that they are not very optimistic. No, thanks. Thanks for your honesty once again. And Simone, what are your key takeaways for our audience? As dystopian as Ignacio's <laughs> one? Well, uh, let me try to be um, somehow more positive, although I'm in line with what Ignacio perceives. Uh, you know, my key takeaways uh, are probably two. One is regulation. It's not a surprise, since we are the Florence School of Regulation, <laughs> that I insist on regulation. But this emerged quite clearly during the conversations. And that the regulation matters, for instance, in my field on carbon markets, and even for voluntary carbon markets, which is a sort of paradox, if you want, because if something is voluntary, you should not regulate it. But on the contrary, there was a consensus emerging from the panelists and the audience that we need some form of regulation and clear rules if we want these instruments to work. And the other key takeaway uh, obviously, beyond cooperation, which I already mentioned, I think it's, it's trust. Because um, really, our results can be achieved if we maintain trust in what we are doing. So this is crucial as economists for the good functioning of the market. But it's crucial for public opinion to have the support of public opinion, because if we lose that and this turns out into total skepticism, then also the behavioral changes that are needed will not take place. So that is why I think we need to give uh, good, clear, reliable signals from COP. Now, I'm not sure this will happen, but I will also like to pitch against skepticism, because at COP, many good things happen. So maybe they're not the things that get 
the, the headlines in the journals, but uh, I personally experience some of these good, positive uh, conversations and interaction coming from being here. And I could tell stories about, you know, people met by chance uh, from Guatemala or other countries that uh, are doing a, a fantastic job and that they have been inspired by being here. So let me somehow close with this positive message. Thank you very much, Simone, for conveying this nuance uh, picture. Um, as we wrap up, do you have any final reflections that you want to share with us or anything that you're looking forward to in the coming days? Well, personally, I'm looking forward to the next events because I have several of them uh, coming in, in the next few days. Um, and they range actually on, on a bunch of things, not only of carbon markets and our, our life course project, uh, that we will present at the European Pavilion and the, uh, the Italian Minister of the Environment Pavilion, but also at events on biodiversity and climate policies organized by the European Association of Environmental Resource Economists and on clean energy organized by the University of Pennsylvania. So really lots of things going on. We just started basically. Okay, so a very busy schedule ahead. Ignacio, any, any things you're looking forward to? Well, in the same way, I am looking forward to, to uh, good conversations, meeting people that I am still have not met, uh, attending some interesting meetings. So there's, I mean, great stuff. Uh, it is difficult to decide where to go at any moment, right? All this is, is excellent for the work that we do and it is uh, food for thought. But if you I ask directly what I am looking forward in the coming days, I will answer with one word, a miracle. Okay, very precise. Thank you very much, Ignacio. Thank you, Simone. I think we can wrap up that um, as a global community, we really need to do more and we really have to keep putting pressure on governments. Um, but I think we can get inspired from the energy that is at COP and that stems from so many people coming together and working for a change. Thank you very much. Music